Welcome to episode two of History Late Beer. I'm Dave Shebanneman. And I'm Martin Ian Almond. And today, we're going to tell you about the story of HMS Glowworm. It's a tale of bravery, compassion and humanity on the high seas. And not only that, it's a story of how true honour knows no enemy. Let's get into it. So, in our last episode, we looked at uh, Thomas Fitzpatrick and his antics landing planes on New York streets. Um, <laughs> yeah, we did. We really did. If you haven't listened to that one, definitely go back and give it a listen. It's a good one, but we're going to get a little bit more serious in this one. Well, most definitely we're going to get a little bit more serious in this one because this this is a story that shocked me for certain reasons that we'll get into as we we get further into the episode. Okay, so as we said in the introduction, this is the story of HMS Glowworm. Um, She was a World War II G-class destroyer, um, which, okay, you might not be familiar. We're going to try and explain as best we can. Um, There was different classes of battleship. There was the big ship, the massive, well, there was the massive ships. Oh, yeah. The big ships, the medium ships, and the smaller ships. I'd say Glowworm was medium. No. um, No? Well, she was a G-class destroyer, so I'd say she was a smaller class of warship. Obviously, she was mainly used for patrols and escort duty, Mm. which, as we know, a lot of destroyers were used for that during the First and Second World War. Okay. Um, And escort duty obviously became really important further on. Oh, without Um, without a doubt, especially during the Battle of the Atlantic and everything like that. Yeah, we were dependent on the convoys we needed them. Um. Okay, so she was a smaller class of warship used for patrols and escort duty. Um, We'll run run through some specs. Um, She was, just to give you an idea, okay, we're not going to go too too deep, but we'll just give you an idea. She was 320 feet, sorry, 323 feet long uh, with a beam of 33 feet. Now, I had to look up what beam was. Yeah, the beam means width of the ship. The width of the ship from side to side. I didn't know. I didn't know what beam meant. Um, she weighed 1,370 tons, 1,370 tons, and she cost at the time £248,785 to build, which is only a couple of couple of grand shy of £19 million today. That's a lot of money for just one ship. It really is. She was ordered in March 1934. She was laid down. In August, I have to look up what laid down meant as well. <laughs> that means the keel of the ship being laid down. That yeah, Mr. So the, the first part of the ship being basically <laughs> put together. See, I came into this totally unprepared. Um, laid down in August 1934. She was launched. I know what that means. E. E. In uh, July 1935, and she was commissioned in January 1936. So she, she entered the Navy proper. In January 1936, um, Martin, why don't you give us the guns? Well, um, we need, we also need to point out that she was built by John I. Thornycroft and Co. 
Wollstone in Hampshire. Oh, of course, yeah. You, now, you did forget to mention that. I did, but the, um, they were known for building superior ships. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah definitely. Okay, so his was with the armament squad. Uh, the armaments consisted on HMS Glowworm of four 7.inch guns, so that was her main armament, two quadruple 0.5-inch machine guns for AA defence, two quadruple 21-inch torpedo tubes, 20 depth charges, one rail, and two throwers. Okay. Now, again, I had to look up a couple of things here. 4.7-inch guns... <clears throat> now, initially, that's not the length of the gun, is it? No, the that's not actually the length of the gun. It's actually the size of the shell that the gun fires. Right. So, basically, it's the width of the opening at the end of the barrel mm. of the gun. If I, re- if I remember rightly, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's um, what it was. Now, depth charges, if you're unfamiliar, um, if you've ever seen a... A war film, basically any war film with any naval battle at all, you'll have seen a depth charge. Well, we could always point out that one film that you watched the other night, which you keep on going on about, Dave, <laughs> is Greyhound. Now, Tom um, Hanks, Greyhound, excellent movie. Now, I've don't get me wrong, I've seen clips. I will take the time to watch it, as I've said. But I, if I remember rightly, there was a scene where the depth charge, depth, depth charges, I do apologise, were launched off the back of the destroyer. Okay, uh, that is right. Um, so, basically what a depth charge is, it's, it looks like a small barrel. Yeah. Small canister. And it's basically a bomb that you throw into the water. And when it gets to a certain depth, when the pressure of the water is enough, it explodes. Um, it's used to knock out submarines, um, primarily, the way they got them off the ship, they had a rail, which would be on the back of the ship, which is like a track that extended out, and the depth charges could be flung off the back into the ship's wake if they were being tailed by a submarine, or they had a, a different method, uh, throwers, which were basically catapults. Yeah, the if I remember rightly from seeing a few World War Two document uh, documentaries. Uh, the throwers were always more or less situated on the port and starboard side of sides of the ship. Um, there has been a few that I've seen where there was throwers, well, stations on the stern of the ship. But it's as David said, it was just like a large catapult that launched the the charges into the water. Yeah, because if you're throwing throwing them off the side, of the ship, you want to get them away from you. You don't want them going off. Anywhere near you? No, because <laughs> no, definitely not. Because <clears throat> if a uh, if a charge went off underneath your ship, it would it would break the keel of the ship. Yeah, it, it, it snapped the ship in half. Yeah, and that's not what you want. Um, so, a good use of depth charge, you'd sink sink a submarine, or you'd force it up to the surface, and then your deck guns could t- yeah, the, take care of it. The main armament on the the ship would be able to take care of a U-boat, and obviously depth charges were massively important because, you know, the Kriegsmarine, the Nazi, the German Navy, they they like the U-boats. Oh yeah, they they like the U-boats as we all know. Yeah. Okay, so 
that was the specs. She had um, 147 crew. So that's 147 sailors and officers. Um, she could go 36 knots, which is about 41 miles an hour. And she had a range of 6,300 miles, which is... It's, it's what What's that in nautical? Um, I'm not 100% sure what it is in nautical, but I think it's about a range of 5,000 nautical miles of full steam, yeah. if I remember rightly. Okay, I, I didn't know that. They, they, they measure things differently at sea. Yeah, they do. <clears throat> um, but let, uh, I'd like to point out that uh, the pennant for HMS Glowworm was H92. H92, and that's... The pennant is basically an, an ID number, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's the ID number of the ship. Yeah. So, okay, like your like your car registration. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the best way to explain explain that. But um, I'd also like to point out that there was three other class, uh, three other ships of this class, as well as HMS Glowworm. It was HMS Hero, HMS Hyperion. And HMS Gallant. Now, when you put those names up, Glowworm. Now, I'm. I don't mean this to detract from the legacy of the ship or the bravery of the crew in any way. Hmm. But Glowworm doesn't sound like a particularly frightening ship, does it? If you think of HMS Hero, yeah, HMS Hyperion, HMS Gallant, HMS Gallant. Even HMS Greyhound, yeah, you know th- these are this not it's not a particularly frightening sounding ship. Well, look at it from a, an outsider's perspective, Dave. As we, as we are doing here, you name H- a ship HMS Glowworm. What does a glowworm do? Uh, it glows. Well, yeah, it shines bright in the dark. Okay, it's, it's a- always darkest <clears throat> darkest before the dawn. Okay. The ship's motto mm. was "Is light from the darkness." So, so okay, the perf- that, that, the perfect name for that tracks. Glowworm. That tracks. It's still not a very frightening sounding name. No, it's not. But <clears throat> to be fair, I wouldn't want to see a, a G class destroyer bearing down on me. Yeah, no, me either. Not from the photographs I've seen. No. Absolutely not. Um, okay, so nineteen thirty six, she's commissioned. And she's sent straight to the Mediterranean to patrol the coast of Spain because at this time there was a a, 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 a Spanish civil war going on. Yes, um, if I remember from reading some some of the history of the ship, uh, the patrol duties along the Spanish coast during the civil war was to stop uh, arms basically making their way into Spain. Yeah. So it was just to basically just keep an eye on, keep a, uh, keep an stop eye on any stuff. outside interference. Kind basically, of thing. They're, yeah. they're fighting. Let them get on with it. Let's just let let them get on with it. But we all know the the results of the Spanish Civil War. If if that part of history interests you, yeah. And if you you may not have even known there was a civil war going on in Spain. <clears throat> um, okay, so in nineteen thirty nine, she had a little bit of an accident, didn't she? Yeah, she did have a little bit of an accident, which I I kind of skipped over in the notes. I did, uh, I, as I was as I was reading through, uh, I was like, "Oh right, okay, nineteen thirty-nine. But she was rammed by her sister ship HMS Grenade on night exercises. 
HMS grenade apparently did quite a bit of damage. Apparently so. Um, you know, it's <laughs> two ships ramming into each other, so one of them's not always going to come off the worst. Well, of course. Um, but happened, that happened in 1939. And then unfortunately... <laughs> in 1940... Poor Glowworm. She was rammed again by the Swedish ship Rex. And that put her in um, Alexandria for uh, quite extensive repairs. Yes, it did. Now, uh, let us just point out, at the time, um, Egypt was part of the British Empire, so the port in Alexandria was, for all intents and purposes, the home port of the Mediterranean fleet, if I remember rightly, before the outbreak of war. Once she'd been repaired, she was sent along with uh, Gallant, HMS Grafton, and HMS Greyhound back to the Atlantic uh, to perform convoy escorts and anti-submarine patrols. Now, this, obviously, if anybody knows about the convoys, the anti-submarine warfare, the Battle of the Atlantic, this would be on the Western Approaches. Which, which... is which is just to... I have to do this every time. North, east, south. Just to the west of Ireland. Yes, it is. Um, now, that can... area of water is known as the Western Approaches. And as we said, convoys were vital because we are an island nation. Yes, um, uh, we are an island nation and we we did depend. And even to this day, we, we still depend on a, a lot of, of outside trade to yeah. the rest of the world. A lot of imports. A lot of imports. Um, okay, so in early 1940, she was assigned to the home fleet. And she was based up at Scarpa Flow. Now, uh, Scarpa Flow, it's it's a hard one to explain if if I'm if I'm honest. But from my research and a few other things that I've heard and listened to, uh, Scarpa Flow is a a natural deep water harbour off the northern tip of Scotland, uh, the home fleet for the British. The British Isles has always been based at Scarpa Flow. Yeah, yeah. Um, from the, the the quick reading I did, um, it's been in use since the Vikings. Um, yeah, they they, yeah. they were the first to sort of recognise its it's it's importance it's, basically. Yeah, importance usability as a a natural deep water port, um, and it's been used as a port basically ever since. Um, <clears throat> A lot of sailors in the reading I did, it was a, a thing you didn't want to be sent to Scarpa Flow because it, it's not a particularly welcoming place. No, I've, I've read the, the, the same as well. Uh, there's sailors' accounts that go back hundreds of years that you, you could, I'd say, you could get easy access to, but you know, it, history's at the tip of your fingers on the internet. 100%. So you more than likely will be able to read some of these accounts and they, they will be saying, no, no, it's not a very welcoming place, it's cold, it's wet. It's windy. It's windy. <laughs> <clears throat> apparently it's cursed as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, apparently there was a... I, I, I didn't read too much into this, but there's apparently there was a witch Oh. put a curse on Scapa Flow. So there you go. That was a little brief history on... Um, 
HMS Glowworm, the story so far, if you like, of the little ship that could. I've heard it called that before. Yeah, uh, I was going to try and avoid calling calling it that and calling it that in this, but well, well, why not? Um, okay, so HMS Glowworms at Scarpa Flow on the fifth of April, nineteen forty, orders come through, and Glowworm, Greyhound, Hero, and Hyperion are sent to escort the battle cruiser HMS Renown. Now, battle cruiser is another class of ship, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's a battleship with essentially cruiser armor and speed. So she's they are very agile in the water, but they also pack a battleship's main armament. So HMS Renown and HMS Hood, the two British battle cruisers, packed fifteen inch guns. So wow, not as not pea shooters by a long shot. They absolutely pack a punch, but then you've got the maneuver. Let's try that one again. Maneuverability. Yes, and speed. The, the speed and the maneuverability of a more agile ship. Okay. Okay. So good all good all rounder then. I'd say so, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well <clears throat> HMS Renown was off the coast of Norway, um, overseeing a mine laying operation, um, because there was a belief a, a, a quite correct belief that Hitler was going to invade Norway. Yes, there was. So, you know, Norway being as close as it is to Scotland, it's you could say it's only a, li- a little hop, skip, and a jump across the the North Sea. Basically, um, we would have had German troops more or less right on our doorstep, kind of like the the situation that was in France, just across the English Channel. So, obviously, something needed to be done to maybe deter Germany and Hitler and his armed forces from prosecuting this invasion. Okay. Um, there was actually a name for the invasion, but I can't pronounce it. There's just no chance. <laughs> I really can't pronounce it myself. Okay, but it was Operation Something. But really, sorry, I'm not even going to try and attempt it. We um, don't, don't want to butcher the name, to be honest. No, certainly not. Um, so on the 7th of April... Two days, two days after it was dispatched, Glowworm was sent away from the the main force to um, search for a man who was lost overboard in a storm. Um, now it was unsuccessful, unfortunately. Sadly, Sadly they, they didn't find him. And on the 9th of April, so uh, the, the the eighth of April. Sorry, the eighth of April. Yes, yes. <clears throat> Excuse me, the eighth of April. The the eighth of April, the search was officially called off, and Glowworm had headed back to rendezvous with HMS Renown, but unfortunately, she ran straight into two German destroyers, uh, the Bernard von Arnhem and the Hans Lundmann. Glowworm attacks. So Glowworm takes on these two little ships. Well, these two bigger ships. German destroyers, well, uh, I'm not 100% sure whether they were bigger than the G-Class, but... Well, know. either way, there were two of them. There was two of them, so... So she was doubly outgunned anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, and she's, st- I mean, I like, I love that she still had a go, you know? That's, that's, that's something. Um, but these two ships, the Hans Ludman and uh, the Bernd von Arnhem, 
They turned tail and legged it, didn't they? Yeah, they did. So we'd, we'd like to point out at the at this moment, uh, Lieutenant Commander Gerard Broadman, Broadmead Roop, Captain and the Glowworm. While he gave chase, he was also suspecting a trap. So, you know, he's chasing two German destroyers. What are they, what are they leading him to? Where are they going? Exactly, so, yeah. Yeah, he'd have been, he'd been duty-bound to find out what was happening. Oh, yeah, he would have been duty-bound to find out what was happening. and Report positions report back. Report positions and, back and, you know, basically... Gather intel. Gather the intelligence and maybe try and harass the the other German ships and wait for reinforcements to arrive from the task group. Okay, so as he's chasing the Lubman and the Arnhem, he runs straight into the German battlecruiser, the Admiral Hipper. Actually, I'm not 100% sure whether the Hipper was a battlecruiser. I think she was a heavy... Oh, he, sorry... He was a battlecruiser. <clears throat> I'd like to point out here that the Kriegsmarine never actually denoted their ships as she. They always denoted their ships as he. I did not know that. Yeah. So you may have been hearing us say she a lot in this episode. And that's because ships are referred to as she. Yeah, well, in the Royal Navy they are. I'm, yeah. I'm not on US Navy as well, I think. Possibly. Possibly. But the... The Kriegsmarine did <clears throat> always denote the ships as he instead of she. I didn't know that. Um, either way, it was bigger than um, Glowworm. <laughs> she a lot. I nearly said she there. Hmm? <laughs> he is a lot bigger than Glowworm. You know, he packs eight-inch guns. Which are twice the size of what Glowworm's got. Yeah, almost. Almost twice the size of what Glowworm has got not only that the hipper had radar so radar assisted targeting for their guns not essentially built into the guns it was more or less on the the bridge of the ship yeah so so it's bigger guns bigger guns more advanced technology more advanced technology um more heavily armored more heavily armed whereas um glowworm had the one set of deck guns. Mm-hmm. From what I was reading, Admiral Hipper had two sets of deck guns. Yeah. The eight-inch guns and the four-inch guns. Yeah. So straight away, Glowworm is outgunned. Um, outgunned completely. 100%. Um, Hipper spots Glowworm firing at, um, I think it was the Arnhem. Yeah, I think she uh, I think she was firing at the Arnhem, if I'm... If I'm reading the notes correctly. Uh, the, the crew of the Hipper couldn't make out which ship was which, but after eight minutes after first contact, um, Admiral Hipper lets her rip with those massive 18-inch guns. guns. Um, misses, but ma- does manage to strike uh, Glowworm on the fourth, sal- fourth volley, fourth salvo, fourth, fourth, ta- fourth, salvo. fourth time it fired. Um, and... Glowworm as pop smoke. Now, this is the thing. Glowworm pops a smoke. So, so Rupert's thinking, okay, if <clears> I pop my smoke, I can peel off, disengage, turn around, re-engage, and maybe launch 
launch a spread of torpedoes yeah. and catch the catch the hipper unawares. Yeah. You know, that's what destroyers are designed to do. Yeah. Know, surprise attacks. Yeah. Um just in case you're unfamiliar as well, this is another thing I had to look up. Pop and smoke is just a tactic of making lots of smoke around the ship to hide. Yeah. And you can peel away, you can sneak out the back, come round. But that tactic proved useless because, as we said, Hipper had radar. So the captain of the Admiral Hipper knew exactly where Glowworm was at all times, regardless of whether she popped the smoke or not, she she was going to be found. You know, it's a sad thing to say, but technology beats smoke it does. <laughs> basically it does it does so the hipper had the ability to basically see glowworm wherever she was okay so during this this firefight glowworm lost one of her 4.7 inch guns and she took several hits uh, she took hits to the bridge the radio room the captain's cabin engine room and the mast now when the mast fell it it caused a short circuit, uh, causing the ship's siren to sound like... Uh, it's been described, the sound was a banshee's wail. Yeah, and they couldn't turn it off, could they? They couldn't no, stop they, it. They, they no, couldn't, they couldn't stop it at all. Now, I'd like to point out, at this point, the, the glowworm had already fired the torpedoes, which... Narrowly, uh, narrowly missed the hipper according to laser Ger- to according to laser German accounts. Yeah, so she did manage to get some torpedoes off. Yeah, she did. She did manage to get some off. But, um, uh, <clears throat> the ship's heavily damaged. So now I've got this. When I'm at this point in in the in the story, now I've got this image of this plucky little ship. She's on fire. Yeah. The sirens are howling. Yeah. It's that banshee going across the waves of the North Atlantic. But she's still firing. She's still not giving in. She's she's still ready for the fight. She's still a prick. So a, a crew of like, probably like, I don't know, like fired up you, and everything. You can't imagine. You can't imagine the noise, <clears throat> the smell, the the panic yeah. and everything else. I mean, I can't, it's, it's, I couldn't possibly imagine being there. It's no. ter- terrifying, absolutely it's, terrifying. If you look at it in your mind's eye, you just see... It's carnage, isn't it? Carnage. 100%, 100% carnage. Um, now, at this point, Roop knows he's beat. Yeah, he's, there's no point. There's no two ways about it. His engine room's gone, his bridge is gone, his mast's gone, he's lost one of his guns, he can't turn the siren off. He, it's over. He, he, it's over. He, he 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 must at some point accept he's done. Except he doesn't, because what he does next is oh sheer sheer. I I I, I, I don't want to say what I want to say, but it is sheer determination. That's probably the better word. Yeah, sheer determination to win. This this fight of unsurmountable odds. Or this a, David <clears throat> versus Goliath battle. Absolutely, hundred percent. Maybe not win, but at least 
at least come off uh, like not bruise the Germans yeah. and like show show them that no we might we might be only a small ship but we'll we'll give you a bloody nose we'll give you a bloody nose and we'll send you back to port yeah so what 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 Roop decides to do <clears throat> at this point is ram the Admiral Hipper oh yes so the way I read this now um see if I can remember it word for word I probably won't be able to <clears throat> with guns blazing sirens wailing yeah glowworm rams the Admiral Hipper Roop gives the order to ram the Hipper that he did uh, I read it exactly like that now <clears throat> what we got to take into consideration here is as we said the Admiral Hipper is a bigger tougher meaner ship there's no two ways about it now Roop gives the order for ramming speed um, guns blazing sirens wailing ships on fire the glowworm rams the Admiral Hipper just and hits just behind the anchor in the German ship. Now, at least one German sailor was killed at his gun, at his gun and the, the the rest of the glowworm scraped along the sides of the Admiral Hipper, ripping away armour plates, putting massive gashes into the, into the hull of the ship, which in turn leads to the Hipper taking on 500 tonnes of water. Which is a lot of water. Oh, yeah, it is a lot of water. So, uh, after that, she she breaks away, she's on fire, she's taking on water water and she but she's she's still going at it. She's still firing, her sirens are still wailing. It but just staggers me. It it, it it just picture it. There's the ship's got no front. It's drifting away, it's on fire, it's sinking. And she's still And it's still guns blazing. Still going for it. Yeah. You know, wow. But at this point, it's it's obvious that the battle's over. Yeah. There is there's no way that Roop can even consider doing any more damage than he's already done. So he order, no, he, the order is given to abandon ship. Um what happens after the order to abandon ship is honestly quite shocking. The Admiral Hipper's captain, Helmuth Heyer, does something really incredible. He orders the Hipper about and orders the crew to rescue as many sailors as they can. Life jackets and ropes are thrown into into the water, the, like the freezing North Sea water, which is slick with oil. Yeah. And he orders his crew to rescue as many British sailors as he as they can. Now just let's just think about that for a minute because these two are enemies. Yeah. Ten minutes prior to this, they were trying to kill each other. They were trying to blow each other out of the water. They were trying ten to, minutes previous. Trying to blow each other to Kingdom Come. Yeah. Now Helmut Heyer has has is is now turned his ship around and ordered his crew to rescue as many British sailors as they could and German sailors were pulling British sailors onto the decks of the Admiral Hipper they were 
stripping them off, they were drying them, giving them towels, shaking their hands and congratulating them on a noble fight. It just goes to show, Dave, true honour knows <clears throat> no enemy. Well, it, it tells, it's, that's true, but it tells me that these are just people. Yeah. Like us, just doing the job. You know, it doesn't, this particular story doesn't seem, how can I explain this now? It doesn't seem like they hated each other. No, it doesn't. It, it doesn't seem like they hated each other at all. You know, at, at the end of the day, you no, you're a sailor. You've got to do the job. You're a sailor. You've got to do a job. You, yeah. You're fighting in your country's navy. Your country's at war with another country. So you're going to do what you're trained to do. Yeah. And but this is the this this is the other thing. Um, the injured crew members from the Glowworm were being treated in the Hipper's sick bay alongside injured Hipper uh, injured crew members from the Hipper. Yeah, they were treating the wounded yeah. as well as their own. And one sailor was one sailor from the Glowworm reported waking up to a German sailor trying to massage life back into his his ice cold feet. Yeah. Now, I'm hoping that the the poor fella managed to do that and managed to get some warmth back into his feet, and he didn't end up losing any any appendages, <coughs> so to speak. Well, yeah. I mean, we um, hope, but it's. It just it it just goes to show that no matter what's going on, they were still people. They were still people, you know, and they all had families to get back to, and yeah, they did. They they had wives, they had children, <clears throat> mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters. They all they all had people that they wanted to get back to. Yeah, um, Roop, Lieutenant Jared Broadmead Roop. He unfortunately didn't survive the encounter. Um, he was last seen assisting his men. Onto the Admiral Hipper, yes. and unfortunately, just as he managed to get the rope himself, he was swept away, and he was never he was seen, never seen again. Seen again. Now here comes the most, I think, amazing part of this story. Let me, let me just point out though, out of one hundred and forty seven <clears throat> crew members that were on board the HMS Glowworm. 31 of them crew members survived this and, this vicious battle. Yeah, and I think had it not been for... If it hadn't have been for... Captain Hayer's orders. Captain Hayer's orders. I don't think... And none of them would have survived. No, I don't think they would have. Not at all. So, the Admiral Hipper limps back to port. Um, and then Captain Helmut Hayer does something that's never, ever been done. He writes to the British government through the Red Cross. Yeah. And he recommends, it's left, I nearly said it then. He recommends that Lieutenant Commander Gerard Broadmead Roop, Broadmead, Broadmead Roop, sorry, be, be awarded the, the Victoria Cross. Now, this is Britain's highest military award for outstanding valour in the face of overwhelming odds. Yeah. And this is the first time in history of the of the Victoria Cross that a enemy combatant had recommended an officer of the British Armed Forces be a recipient for the VC. Yeah. So in the face of overwhelming odds, um 
what would let me just find the actual um what he actually said he said recommending that lieutenant commander Jared Broadmead Roop be awarded the Victoria Cross for outstanding valour in the face of overwhelming odds. Um, again, as Martin said, this is the only time that I can find in the history of everything, the Navy, the medal itself, yeah. in the history of, of, of all of it, um, the only time this has ever happened. Yeah, it's it's never happened before, and I don't believe it's ever happened since. I don't think it has myself. Um, as as we said, you know, I looked into this quite extensively, and it, this is, as Dave said, this is the only time that I can even find that it's happened. And as I said before, it just goes to show true honor knows no enemy. True. Yeah. Um, Roop was awarded. The Victoria Cross posthumously in 1945, um, and then Helmut Heyer, he went on to be a politician in Germany after the war. Uh, he obviously survived the war, and he he passed away in 1970 at the age of 75. Now, just before you go thinking that this Captain Heyer was nicer than you, you know most other. Nazi officers. Yeah. For the entirety of his political career, he railed against the fact that Germany had its arm, its armed forces clipped. He didn't like the fact that Germany were made to down downsize the army, you know, the reparations, all the rest of it. Yeah. All the post-war stuff that came Germany's way, he, he wasn't happy with that at all. So I just want to ba just balance this out. Balance, uh, well, yeah, balance is always always good to have in stuff like this you know. but he did save 31 British sailors he did save 31 so, British sailors and those 31 families that had yeah, their, loved their, ones. their loved ones their sons their husbands their fathers come home you know I hate, I hate to say it you know, could can always be thankful yeah for, I'm, I'm sure they, they'll always you know at the time I'm sure they're extremely thankful but it, it, it's just it's, it's one just of them a, a, it's just a humanising story for it, me, is, it is a humanising story you it's know. one of those things that you, you don't expect to no to come across expect to happen or to come across and I was quite quite shocked and ta taken back when I, I I read this story because I knew I knew nothing about this no and well, when you and you, I, I love history and this is one of these things that has has flown under the radar for me yeah when you made me aware of it I read it and was I was impressed yeah I was I was extremely impressed but as we said balancing everything Captain Heyer when he did become a politician he he railed against a lot of what the was being done to Germany after the end of the Second World War yeah so one act of kindness and basically human decency doesn't always detract from a lifetime of railing against something that was brought on by its own, his own country. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't and say his own country, his own <clears throat> politicians. Yeah. And let's, at the end of the day, he was a Nazi, a Nazi sailor. You know, whether you 
Yeah. Whatever you think of the man, he was still part of that regime. So, as we said, balancing all things. Yeah. Um, but the question is, was he a member of the Nazi party or was he just just another officer? True. Well, okay, true. All right, okay, maybe I'll, I'll take that, that back, what I just said then, fair enough. We could probably look more into that and maybe... Or you, maybe you, see, or maybe or you, yourselves, if you yeah. want to know a bit more. Yeah. Um, I think that's it for Glowworm. I think it is. Um, <clears throat> I don't think there's any... Have, have you got anything else that you want to add? No, there's not, not much else that can be added, to be honest. It was a tale of bravery, bravery, uh, human decency. Yeah. And just a crazy situation. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't imagine myself in that situation. I couldn't imagine you in that situation. I couldn't imagine anybody. No, I couldn't imagine any members of my family or myself no, in or, or yourself, Dave, in that situation. So no, not at all. Okay, so that was the story of the HMS Glowworm, the little ship that could. I've been Dave G. Bannerman. I've been Martin Ian Almond. This has been History Late Bear. We'll see you next time. See you soon.